0: Forward progress. What we will remember more than anything else about this game was the way Gardner limped back onto the field. Yeah. Welcome to another episode of Forward Progress. I'm your host Devin Gardner, and I know I always say this week we have an amazing guest, but for real, the guests are really, really good, and this week's guest is no different. This will really be the favorite guest of a lot of my listeners who are gamers and love Madden, because this week we have the voice of Madden 17, 18, 19, and 20, Charles Davis. Originally from Tennessee, where he was born, his family migrated from New Paltz, New York, when he was two years old, and that's where he made his name as a three-sport star, basketball, baseball, and an all-state performer on the football field for his final two seasons. After high school, Charles went back home to play for his hometown Tennessee Vols on full scholarship. His career after football has been filled with so many successes, including being a color analyst for three BCS National Championship games in 07, 08, and 09. He's also done basketball, NFL, and he's even a frequent commentator on the Golf Channel. Unfortunately, he just happens to be the voice of Michigan football's most undesirable moment in history as he called the Appalachian State game in the upset over Michigan in 2007, We won't hold it against them, but first, here's Jay Reed with 4 Progress. Your hustle gotta be harder than anything that you fear. Gotta know how to tune out the haters that you gon' hear. Gotta get started now, you can celebrate in a year. Cause somebody gon' need your gift, don't be stingy, you got the cure. It's all factual, and we all tactical. You think Devin Gardner got farther from being practical? You think he ain't work for the blessings that he was asking for? You think he ain't work on his weaknesses after practice, though? That was Jay Reed, and this is the man himself, Charles Davis. How are we doing? I'm
1: doing well, Devin. It's so good to see your face again. And Yes, welcome love- to Forward Progress.
0: This is Forward Progress.
1: I love – i I'm honored to be on Forward Progress, and what I really like seeing is that old number 98 up on the oh, wall there.
0: Oh, number 98. There
1: I remember you as number 12, yeah. and then you taking 98, Tom Harmon's jersey. Yeah. And that was so cool to see, to see a quarterback wearing old 98 and yeah rocking and rolling. And, and since then I had the opportunity to meet his son Mark.
0: Who's amazing.
1: Who's amazing? And we talked about you. And oh he, yeah. And he thinks you're amazing. So I thought what? that was really, really cool. Cause I remember I remember watching Mark play at UCLA. Oh yeah. So, to, you know, to bring it full circle for me, and he could not have been nicer the night that I met him and mm. the whole deal. And it was so great to be able to talk about you because,
0: you know, yeah. we kind of like you. Ah, halfway decent. But, you know, me and my producer, Alex, who's amazing, also a Michigan grad, went back and forth about what we – should I mention this? And so we're going to give it just an ounce of time, not too much time. Michigan fans out there, this is the man oh, no. whose fault it was that oh. we lost – to Appalachian State in 2007, oh. maybe not his fault, but he did call the game.
1: Oh, oh wow! Man. Thanks a lot, Well, That didn't take you long at all. You actually, you actually, <laughs> I, we had I had an over under in my head, and and you took the under. <laughs> I gotta give you that. But you know, it's funny. Big Ten Network was created, and that was the beginning of Big Ten Network. And if I'm not mistaken, the way Big Ten Network came on air was that game like that was the, the start of it not like you know and you click Big Ten Network here's the game and I did the game with Tom Brenneman as play-by-play and Carissa Thompson as the sideline reporter that was her first game as sideline reporter and the game went on and the whole thing happened and you know what I remember most was the shock because normally in an upset situation like that the home team, you know, whether it be Michigan or whoever it is, yeah. the fans are just upset, like angry, you know, and you leave the stadium and you hear the expletives and you hear the, the shouting. It was so eerily quiet leaving the stadium that day because people couldn't comprehend what they had just seen. Yes, Appalachian State had won two straight one double a national championships and had a lot of their team back. But still, Michigan was preseason top five. Jake Long, left tackle, Michael, Michael Hart, tailback, um, Henny, Chad Henny, quarterback. They all came back to school with the idea of let's compete for a national championship. And that was a loaded football team, like Mario Manningham. I mean, we go around down the line. I mean, it's just, it's just a loaded team. But to play a very good team with a lot of speed, it happened. We all saw it. It was crazy, but I just remember us leaving, you know, normally you're running to the car to try and get to the airport and traffic's hit and the whole thing, but the game was so compelling. Everyone stayed in the stadium, right? So now we had none of that traffic, but no one was moving. That's the thing I've kept that. I actually talked about with Carissa not that long ago and we both had the same memory. It was like, people were, w- w- what just happened here? And they were There's weren't even- no way this is real. Like, like, the anger wasn't hadn't gotten there yet. It's like the stages of acceptance of you know the stages you go through. We hadn't yeah. gotten to anger yet. Yeah, we were still in grief and shock. And we got in our car and got to the airport in like record time. That never yeah. happens. And even we were like, did that just ha- did we just did we just do that? And that it took out for Big Ten Network as bad as it was for Michigan. As bad as it was and it felt that that time for the Big Ten, it's probably the greatest thing that happened to Big Ten Network because everyone everyone needed the highlights. So now the Big Ten Network logo is prominent in every highlight going out. And that's how they get announced to the world. And that was a big deal. So it was horrible for Michigan, horrible for the Big Ten. Great for Big Ten Network.
0: Yes, we spent way too much time on that. That Sorry about that. That was wonderful. Anymore. We're done. We're done talking about it. It happened. We we pretty their mission goes again, just pretty much making Big Ten Network. How about that? How about that? So I'm sure you know how closely I followed your career and and kind of looked at it as kind of the blueprint of uh how what what can possibly happen, right? For somebody to be diligent and focused and, and, and locked into what they do. But I want to talk about you as an athlete, right? High school athlete, uh three sport. basketball, baseball, football, obviously football becomes the moneymaker. But what what athletes in each sport did you look and model your game after?
1: The athletes that I grew up admiring were my dad's high school athletes. My dad was a high school basketball coach. Mm. He was an assistant football coach. He did a bunch of things, you know, all that good stuff, Devin. But his high school athletes, those were my guys. Like yeah. Those are my heroes. And they're no name, there, none of them I would name that anyone in the rest of the world would know. But back in New Paltz, New York, that was a big deal for me. I was a little guy driving them crazy and doing all that. And then as I got older, I remember seeing Magic Johnson play basketball for the first time. NCAA tournament, they were playing Kentucky. Magic was a freshman, Kyle Macy was at Kentucky. And Kentucky beat them in, I think, the Mideast regional final back when we mm-hmm. did more of the you know the directional stuff. Yeah. I remember just marveling six, seven, six, eight playing point guard. What? It's a big Never guy. heard of. Like, like that just didn't happen. And at first I thought like I'd heard about it. I said, this gotta be a major gimmick. Turned yeah. out it was the real deal. Like that's yeah. for real. And so he became my guy. And I just followed him all the way through. Wherever Magic went, I just followed, you know, whether it was with the Lakers or the whole deal. And his his matchup with Bird was huge. But, you know, guys like that and, you know, guys would go in and out. I wouldn't say in and out of favor. But whoever hit the scene, I just kind of followed them. But I will leave you with this. My number one guy was Condridge Holloway. He's a quarterback at Tennessee. I saw him play on national television when I was eight years old. And even as an eight-year-old, I realized watching a black quarterback at a Southern school in 1974, I knew something was, "Whoa, whoa, 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 what is this? Yeah. And my dad was a quarterback at an HBCU, Bluefield State in West Virginia, and I just remember how proud he was watching that day. And Condridge Holloway became my guy. And that set me on the path going to Tennessee at eight years old, <laughs> watching that football game, yeah. eight, nine, whatever it was, watching that game and watching his, his magic. You know, Condridge, he was, his nickname was the Artful Dodger. And boy, was he <laughs> the Artful
0: Dodger. I mean, that, so, that tells me exactly what he was great at.
1: He was, he was phenomenal. Plus, he was an All American baseball player as a shortstop. and went up to Canada. I think it was a two time most outstanding player in Canada, won some great cups. And then I never even got to meet him until I graduated from Tennessee. Really? And I met him and introduced myself. And he said, I already know the story. He had already heard people told him about why I went to Tennessee. It was all because of him.
0: Really? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: So do you think Do you think uh, you could have played Division I uh, as, as an athlete, as a baseball player, or as a basketball player?
1: You know, at Tennessee, I was going to play baseball my junior year, I believe, but I kept dislocating my shoulder and football was out for the baseball team trying to make it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was a like lock, but I was I think I was making pretty good progress. It would have been interesting to see me take it all the way to the limit because I was a pretty darn good baseball player. Yeah. And um, my shoulder went out again. And so I went to the trainer and said. I feel like
0: your shoulders are relatively important in baseball. I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't don't know a lot about baseball, but I know your shoulders may be needed.
1: Call it a hunch. But I I went to the trainer, our team trainer, Tim Karen, who was so important to me. And I said, Tim, you got to get my shoulder taken care of so I can play baseball. He said, I got to get your shoulder taken care of so you can play football. That's why you're here, dummy. And then basketball. I had some opportunities in terms of that, but I chose to go and play football. So yes, I could have played. I could have played in, in, in that as well. But then again, this is me at fifty six with my recollections. And of course, <laughs> in my recollections, I could have done. I probably could have been, you know, Jean Healy and been a downhill skier and could have raced Franz Klomer in my mind, even though none of that would have been true.
0: So you're a football player, right? You love football. And, and a lot of people, where you talk to some athletes that are at, our, at the highest level of their sport, but that's not their, even their favorite sport, right? So what was your favorite like to play?
1: It's always like that. Yeah. When, I got to, when I got to Tennessee as a football player, all I want to do is show people I could hoop. I see. I see. And all the hoopers used to tell us about their football exploits. Yeah. Right? And I'll bet you found the same thing in Michigan, didn't you? Yeah. So anytime there was spare time, If the coaches hadn't expressly forbade you from playing basketball, you guys went to the gym and hooped. I know how it is because that's what we all did.
0: You want to know what's really crazy about Michigan now? They have a basketball court on top of their weight room that's only for <laughs> for the football team. That's how important open is the football players. And, and and you know we
1: we would you know we were permitted to play, and every year somebody would tear up an ankle or something, and you get the. Is this really the best thing to do? But we had a basketball team in the intramural league that's made up of all football players.
0: Mm-hmm. One
1: of our trainers ran. It. His name was Mike Rolo. He, he, he we were called the Lakers, and he thought every year we were a lock. But every year, the biggest tournament that we played against the fraternities and other people, yeah. you know, a lot of good athletes there.
0: Yeah, yeah. We
1: were always playing. And you remember, Devin, during winter conditioning. And we would be in what we called fourth quarter. I don't know what you guys called it at Michigan, yeah. but fourth quarter meant, like, the last two weeks were really intense. Yeah. Days, all that sort of deal. And we were playing hoops in these tournaments. And we would always, I promise you, three straight years, we got beaten in the finals by a frat. <laughs> Because we were all gassed out. Like, Man, they, you don't got nothing left. And by the way, they had cats that could play. So I'm not gonna sit here and short sh- yeah. short it. If any of them ever see this, they, they're not gonna hear me say, Oh, well, we would have killed them. We would have they were good. Yeah. But when you put that and fourth quarter together, we had good games, but we couldn't quite get over the hump. And we always yeah. got to beat the finals or the semis. And that our poor trainer drove him and drove him insane.
0: Man, they're probably walking around with their chest all like, yeah, we, we smashed the football team. You think these these premier athletes, we destroyed them. Oh, it's a little I, I, I,
1: they didn't whisper it on campus. I would hear it walking to class, you know. And, of course, they'd always have the girl with them, and, you know, they'd be all hugged up. Yeah,
0: we laid it on them, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're, a, you're a great athlete, right? You you have a good career at Tennessee. You get two degrees, count them, right? Two. Yeah. A master's in history, which has nothing to do with your doing right now. You're a historian in athletics, but I'm sure you weren't covering athletics at that time. Um, you go to the Cowboys and you don't make the roster, yeah. right? You don't make the yeah, roster, but, right? So
1: undrafted, remember, undrafted yeah. for ages So and that was when the draft was twelve oh. rounds, Devin. Right. So I really, people really didn't want me. It wasn't seven; it was twelve. So people were really like. I don't know about this cat.
0: <laughs> Would <laughs> you stop it? Would you? so 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 you 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 go undrafted in a 12 round draft right you get a shot right you get an opportunity and you don't make the roster correct um athletes a lot of times don't know who they are outside of their sport right they they identify with their sport um how important was it for you right and obviously you got two degrees right so you were a well-rounded student athlete but how important was it for you to know who you were outside of being uh, an athlete, a football player?
1: Extremely important. And it didn't come to me as quickly as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I thought I was prepared. I thought I had done all the right things. My father was a, as I said, a, a college athlete, but he became a teacher 40 year career as a, as, a, as an educator and as a coach, mm-hmm. my mother only had a high school degree, but academics were very important to her. And, you know, my parents both said, You're going to do this, this, and this. So, two things came to mind, Devin. Number one, I got redshirted my freshman year at Tennessee. And I remember I told my dad, I said, Well, I'll just lighten my course load since I have an extra year, blah, blah, blah. And he said, No, no, that's not how we're going to do it. I said, What do you mean we? He said, Well, I have invested. Wait, will in- you be
0: in the class with me? I'm
1: yeah. Confused. Will you have to turn
0: that 25 page paper?
1: Yeah. He's like, he was like, he's like, uh, I'm kind of invested in this too, by the way, since, you know, yeah. I, I had you. So he said, this was going to go down, you're going to graduate in four years on normal schedule. That way, your fifth year, if you're playing, you're enjoying it, what have you, boom, you go back and play. But if you're not playing, he said, because we don't know if you're good enough yet. You still have to mm-hmm. prove yourself. You're a red shirt. You don't know if you turns out you can't play. Guess what? You got your degree. You don't have to stay out there. and and go through all that he said that's how it's going to go down and so I did and then my fifth year fortunately enough I'd been a three-year starter I wanted to play an extra year and I did so that's the first thing that hit me my dad had taught taught me that but the second part is now I get cut by the Cowboys I thought I'd prepared two degrees you know academic all SEC I'd done all the right things I thought okay I'm prepared for this I don't know about you But that first game, and I was back on campus finishing up my master's. So I had to finish my master's last year. The first game that fall, the buses pull up outside the dorm to take the guys for Friday night movie Mm. hotel before dinner. And I saw them filing out and heading to the buses. And I thought, who am I? What am I doing? Cause that's, I, I, I thought, but I can't uh, – now I'm stuck. So it took me a while to do that. The first game that Tennessee had, I thought I was going to go to the game. I couldn't go because just the thought of it, like someone's wearing my number now. Someone has filled my like, spot. I've been
0: replaced. Boom. They didn't even check with me and see if it's okay. Like, really?
1: They gave him my number? No-, no, I'm just kidding. But that's what it felt like. I was a little bit at a loss. So even though I thought I was prepared for it, even though I had done all the right things academically to be ready for it, my identity was still as a ball player. And mm. it took a little while to figure that part out. So think about the guys who were all Americans, who were early draft choices and it didn't work out. You know, that's even tougher. Yeah. Because now people are like, I thought you were going to be and
0: it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. So, the one thing, you know, I work with a lot of young quarterbacks and the one thing I try to, you know, get them to understand is, hey, you're you are a football player absolutely, and you should give it everything, right? You should never shortchange yourself. You should give yourself everything, uh give your sport everything, but you have to actively find out who you are outside of that. Yeah. What would be your advice to a young kid, right? Maybe he's 16, 17, maybe he's 10, right? Because it's starting earlier and earlier you're where 10, guys are talented 10, 10 and they're focusing on things and, and making a choice of hey. This is what I want to do. What would be your advice to that person to say, hey, you need to find out who you are outside of football player and this is how you do it.
1: Yeah, I think that that my advice would be similar to my path, but you're still there's still gonna be bumps at the end. But let's let, let let's take those and put them aside. Handle your academics. Right. Know that. If it ends tomorrow, you're going to be able to process and have a life for yourself because of your brain, because of your mm-hmm. mind, because of your work ethic and, and your ability in those terms. Find people that interest you that don't have a conversation about sports or your sport or ball all the time. Mm-hmm. Like back when I was in school, and back in the dark ages, we had full athletic dorms. Yeah. Like, you know, like it was nothing but athletes. And nobody clubs, else. Nobody else. All sports, all deal, all guys, football, basketball, baseball, swimming, track, you name it, wrestling, all in one dorm. Hmm. I've never, I've always thought it was better if you had better experiences, etc. I know why they did it. I don't I get that. I'm not that dumb. But... <laughs> I remember one summer going to summer school and our dorm was closed and I had to live on campus and it was the greatest experience. I met more people. I heard different things. I got involved in things I'd never been involved with before, but I still was able to keep my focus on on my ball. So the big thing that for me is find people with varying interests, go to different things. Like on campus, when speakers would come through, there used to be the speaker of the house by a guy by the name of Tip O'Neill. Now, I don't know how to be a member of Tip O'Neill, but back in the day, Tip O'Neill was large, man. Like, he was a big, big deal. Speaker Mm -hmm. of the House, he could broker things on both sides of the aisle, Republican, Democrat, talk to the president every day, the whole deal. He came to campus to speak. I made sure I got to that speech. Shirley Chisholm, first black woman to run for president of the United States, senator, state of New York. I went to her speech. And by the way, I met my wife at that speech. <laughs>
0: so. You better start
1: doing other things because you, you never know.
0: Wife, you know.
1: Right? You never know. You, And it's hard to do because your sports demand a lot of time. Mm-hmm. But when you find those options, find those, those, those nuggets, those, those little kernels of time and places, do that. But especially the people around you. Yeah, hang with your people, hang with your boys. But get out there and meet some people who are doing some things that interest you academically socially all of those things and try and make it well-rounded I have a lot of friends I believe from my time there that had nothing to do with me playing
0: ball yeah so before we get into your illustrious career after football <laughs> before we get to that I want to talk about a turn back moment we do you know with every guest where you know there's a moment in your life where you have an option right to to turn left right or or yeah. turn right and turning left will assure you that whatever you had your dreams, whatever you wanted, it will never happen for you. Right. And you kind of just shut it down where obviously you did not turn left, you turn right and you continue forward. What what was that moment for you or moments if there were more than one?
1: I think for me, it was the decision to go away for school. Mm. Because I love my hometown, Newports, wow. New York. I wouldn't change a thing about growing up there and the people mm-hmm. that I grew up with who, who remain friends to this day. I mean, we have Zoom calls and the whole deal, and they've been very successful and great lives and great people. But to expand my horizons, go somewhere else, do a different thing. Because remember, Newports, New York and Knoxville, Tennessee are going to be really different places. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And yeah. that allowed me to start that process of.
0: The north and the South, you know. Yeah. Then I'm but sure the run, Everybody understands like the issues they went along with
1: that. It you was know? as simple as this, Devin. I go to Tennessee as a growing up in New York. My parents are my dad's from West Virginia. My mom's from Tennessee, so they understood that way better than me. Even though we visit family and all that stuff, right? But right, that's right. Snapshots. That's not full immersion, right? Right. I called home like two weeks after being there. and I said, dad, I don't know if I'm going to make it here. He said, why not? I said, everyone talks funny. Yeah. You know what he said to me? Hey, dude, you're coming from New York. You're the one I'm
0: sure you. funny. Yeah. I was about to say, they're probably looking at you like, why are you talking like that?
1: bingo and I heard that a lot and you yeah. can imagine what it morphed into and what it evolved into absolutely he's speaking this way coming right from oh you're a world. sellout wait
0: why wait where are you oh, trying to act white why what are you doing
1: why do you talk that you know what, what's with that and you know you're oh mr proper and you yeah, know all yeah, that yeah. that went into it but it helped me mature grow learn I had to learn tolerance myself because I'm quite mm-hmm. sure I was pretty rigid too like hey what are you getting on me for I should be getting on you and that really wasn't what it was about we just right. came to it from two different places. Doesn't matter you know what your accent is. Are, are you conversing in the subject matter you're talking about? That's right, right. what I learned. We all were. Duh. So <laughs> you, you just make it work. But I think that was my moment, Devin, because otherwise I could have very easily stayed in New Paltz and been successful and had a life and, and, and wonderful people, this little small town. But this gave me the opportunity to grow, mature, learn, and believe me, it wasn't easy. I mean, at the beginning, I thought it was tough. I thought about leaving, but guess what? I got through it. Now, when it comes time to graduate Tennessee, I can take a job in Alabama because I'm used to living on my own. I learned how to do Mm -hmm. that. I can take a job in Colorado Springs. I can take a job in Stockton, California. I can take a job in Palo Alto, California. I can go to Orlando, Florida. The world was now open to me because I was used to it. You know, I was used to making those moves and being out there. If I'd stayed in my hometown, I don't know that I would have been quite as used to that or been as eager to embrace that type of a change. I just don't know. But I will say this one last time. I love where I grew up. I wouldn't change a thing about that. Love the people, love the area, got an incredible education, had a ton of people that cared about me, looked out for me. I've lost two of my uh, dear coaches, and you know how it is with your coaches, right? Mm -hmm. Two of my dear coaches, I lost them in the last year from my high school days, and and I miss them each and every day. And both of them, not only did they look out for me, but I know when it was all said and done, they loved me. And that's Mm -hmm. a big deal, and that's my hometown.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's a curse, right? It takes courage to move and and go play way in Tennessee, and then the courage to stick it out, right? You know, (laughs) because a coward, hey. Well, that's a I man. missed my, mom. I missed
1: my mom. Believe me, I missed my mother. That's probably one of the reasons I didn't go out west to go to UCLA. I was like, man, that's really far, far away. That's real far.
0: That's <laughs> far, far. Yeah. So wh- wh- let's talk about, you know, that aforementioned uh, post-football career, right? Mm-hmm. That all those opportunities came because you were had the courage to go out and, and down to Tennessee and play. Um, how did you get your start, right? Because for me, it was kind of a serendipitous type of occurrence where I got a call. Now, I always knew that one day, right, we met a long time ago, yeah. and, I, and and we're, like, competing for smiles, and we're, like, and it's like, <laughs> wait, wait, I'm you, and you are me, and wait, wait, you know what I mean? So I always knew I'd want to at some point be in front of the camera and do these things, but I wasn't actively searching and, and putting myself in a position to do it, but it was a serendipitous call where it just happened, you know, and it and, and it got rolling. When What, what was that for you?
1: You and I have had very similar paths that way, Devin, very similar. And I will nutshell it. I was, I did some stuff in college. I had friends in college, man, by the name of Mike Moore, who was a college classmate and said, Hey, why don't you come over and do some stuff for what was called UTV, our campus television, you know? And he taught me some things. And I learned, I was like, man, I'd really like to do more of this, but I started working for a living. Mm. Then when I was in my early thirties, I got a phone call, from uh fox sports south that said hey you want to do a couple football games just like you serendipitous out of the blue wasn't even actively campaigning for it i was working for a living and someone had recommended me a man by the name of mark whitworth who had worked at tennessee when i was there and he told this guy hey i think this guy could make a good analyst
0: yeah
1: and well what does he do he said He doesn't do anything but you ought to give him a try (laughs) And two years later, the guy called me, I got my start and that started me on the path to where I am now I won't bore you with all of that. But just as you were talking about, you get the phone call, you get an opportunity, you work at it, someone likes what you do, they give you more opportunities, you start seeking more opportunities, you work on your craft, and you start down the path, and that's what happened with me, because I was you know, out of college, I interned at the SEC conference office, I coached football at the University of the Pacific, I became an intern for the U.S. Olympic Committee, and then the Olymp- the director of the Olympic Trading Center,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was an assistant athletic director at Stanford, and I became the PGA Tour, um, I became tournament director for a PGA Tour event with Disney, so none of those lined me up to do football, none of them, other than I had played before,
0: All
1: right, uh, got the opportunity, got the call and it reawakened something in me that I would wanted to do from the beginning. I was just fortunate enough to get the call to get things
0: started. That's awesome. That, I mean, it's always best when, when it happens that way, right? Where you, you, you hadn't really, you were, you, you always wanted to do it, but you, you didn't really go for it. Like, like, you know, you were doing other things, right? Because life, right? Life happens, but you're prepared, right? You're actively preparing yourself for that opportunity. And when it comes, you're ready. Right? So that's what I kind of try to teach it a lot of the kids. Like, hey, you don't know what opportunity is going to come when, but you need to know what you need to do to be ready. You need to be ready and, and actively well-rounded and ready to pursue it.
1: I love that. You know, it's a, we, Sometimes it gets a little bit on the, uh, you know what we call the bumper sticker side, you know, with mm. different things. How many times do our coaches tell us, stay ready yeah. so you don't have to get ready? But it's true. It applies. It absolutely yeah. applies, and, and that's part of it. And look. The jobs that we do, I think both of us have a healthy understanding that because we didn't actively pursue, but they came to us and then we were able, but we were preparing anyway. When you're, when you were watching games, you were doing commentary in your head. You were making your own notes mentally. You were doing those Mm -hmm. sorts of things. I was too. Look, I tell people all the time, you do the same things at home that we do on air, but it's a little bit different just because at home, you feel like, oh, yeah, I got that before he did. Or I did that before yeah. that. It's different when you do live. Mm-hmm. But I don't consider that a, 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 a negative at all because I was them. I was yeah. on the couch thinking I could do that as well as yeah. they could do it. You have to have that thought. Then you have to go out and prove it. But I have no problem saying, yeah, exactly. You should be thinking that at home. Now, can you go out and translate it and make it work for you for real? That's a little bit different. But I get totally why you're thinking what you're thinking
0: because I did yeah. the same thing. I, I for sure like, oh my, John, man, what are you doing? I've been, I already I said I can do that. Do that. Before, right? Yeah. Now, speaking of John, Madden, um, you have a job. You have jobs, <laughs> right? You have a really cool job. Uh, a lot of kids are, you know, they, they're probably like, who is Charles Davis? Why is he having him on the show? Well, you know, they're young. They don't really know. Well, the video game that you love to play, man, right? <laughs> He is he. They should change the name of the game to Charles Davis. You're trying to get the new Charles <laughs> Davis 2021 because you are new now. John Madden in his video game, the voice of Madden. How did that come about?
1: Um, again, in a in a small way. They had, you know, they've had plenty of people who have done yeah. the, the commentary and they've had some big names that have done it along the way. My former partner, Gus Johnson, has done it. Mm. Uh, Brad Nessler and, and Kirk Herbstreet on the college side. And it looks like the college game's coming back, which everyone's mm-hmm. looking forward to. But John Madden and Pat Summerall, the great broadcast team, they did it initially and then Coach Madden decided he didn't want to do it anymore. And it moved on from there. But for the longest time, Jim Nance and Phil Sims did it. Yeah. We're talking big time names but they had yep. decided that they were going to change how that how they were doing it they were going to add a few things to it and i think for a lot of the people at the top of the food chain that's a little problematic i mean All right Change only has so much time phil sims only has so much time so they went with a couple of us as, as i term it a couple unknowns myself and my play-by-play partner brandon Gordon. and we do more hours than anyone has ever done before But I don't say it like it's a criticism. That's just what's asked of us. That wasn't asked of them before. So they would have, you know, would have made a decision to do it. And that's how it came about. They kind of, it was kind of an open, they were seeking people and they interviewed and what have you, I auditioned. And then they brought me back for a second audition. And fortunately enough, I got the job.
0: That's, that's, is that the coolest thing? Like, is that, (laughs) being a voice of Madden, is that the coolest thing that you've done to this
1: point? I didn't think so, Devin, but... Our son, who is now 23, and I don't know how many, so it's like six, seven years ago, announced to him that we got Madden. Now, you got to understand, I'm lucky enough to have called three national championship games in college Mm -hmm. football. I've done NFL, the whole thing. Told him I had Madden. He cried. Like, he was like, (laughs) hugged me. First, as I tell people, first time I've ever had street cred from my own kid. And and that's how important Madden was. That told me something. And then all of a sudden, his boys, who I've known since they were tykes, they weren't just hanging around the house. Now they wanted to talk to me. Right. Never wanted to talk to me before. And I was like, wow, this Madden thing's a big deal. So that's how I learned.
0: Got it. So my street quit is, um, I've gotten a shout out by Obama. That's pretty cool. That's pretty big big right there. If people think I'm a little old, you know, hey, Obama gave me a shot. And then my other two, my roommate and one of my good friends, one on the cover of the last NCAA. And my good friend, Charles Davis, is the voice of Madden football. So <laughs> I'm pretty cool, you know, by, you know, relationship.
1: You're, to you're, you're pretty cool. You're pretty cool on your own because you got a guy starting a show that's going to start his 19th season next year, Mark Harmon, who said, yes, Devin Devin Gardner can wear my dad's jersey.
0: He did. He did allow that. This right over here. In I, case you guys I, are wondering, this is a jersey that that uh, is being spoken. You know, it's right here. It's, oh, that's nice. And he's he's a great guy. You know, funny story about that. When I first meet him the night I wear the jersey against Notre Dame, I'm like, wait a minute. You're the guy from Freaky Friday. <laughs> you remembered. <laughs> so people, people, his family burst all laughing. And so, like, me, I'm young. I'm 20, yeah. maybe, you know. I'm like, wait, did I say something wrong here? Because I had never watched NCIS, right? So I had no idea. And so, you know, that's the extent. I love Freaky Friday. Like, I will watch it over and over again. I like it so much. And so he's just like, I'm like, well, is that why, why it was so funny? He's like, yeah, well, it's just not my best work. I'm like, well, I love it. So, you know, you got a fan in me as far as that goes.
1: Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. Now you have to understand, Devin, I'm, you know, I'm old enough to have seen the original with Jodie Foster. It's so. on,
0: it's on Disney plus and I've been meaning to watch it. I'm going to watch it. So now I can, you know, identify with
1: it. You know. <laughs> so, so that will tell you, but it's funny when you meet these celebs, what our time frame is with them and what we've seen and what have you. Mm-hmm. Dean Cain, Superman. I met him at a, a Cowboys game because yeah. he, you know, Dean Cain was an all Ivy league safety. Really? He led, he led, he, yeah, he led the Ivy League in interceptions and the whole deal. And he played there at Princeton with Jason Garrett, who at the time was the head coach of Dallas mm. Cowboys. Well, I'd seen him in a Hallmark movie called Operation Cupcake. And so I see Dean Cannon on the sidelines, and we meet and the whole thing. I was like, man, love you in Operation Cupcake. You should have seen his face. He's like, whoa, 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 what? What? And so, like, Mark Harmon's like, you know, Freaky Friday's not my best work. I think Dean Kane's like, um, you know I was Superman, right? You do know I
0: am Superman. You know, <laughs> I, I am, am
1: Superman. Superman. <laughs> and I hit him with Operation Cupcake. So, so I, I don't know if he'll ever want to see me again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you do like I said, like I talked about earlier, so many hats, right? And you're you're a draft correspondent, right? You talk about the draft, you you assess college players, you you talk about how they're translating to the NFL, and you you judge teams on how they drafted and things like that. And so I want to throw a couple questions at you uh, for this year's draft with uh, some of the, some of the athletes that are coming out. Now we know it's a foregone conclusion for Trevor Lawrence, that he will be the first pick. He's probably halfway through the Jaguars playbook right now as we speak. (laughs) So we're not going to, we're going to leave him out of the other quarterbacks in the entire draft. If you're the next three teams that need a quarterback in order, what quarterbacks are you taking and why?
1: Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance. Okay. Okay. Zach Wilson is a, a, a playmaker extraordinaire with a big arm, much bigger mm-hmm. arm, I think, than probably when I thought started to process. Mm-hmm. And just watching him, accuracy, movement, similar to Joe Burrow in terms of that second and third reaction stuff, Devin. You know what I'm yeah, talking about?
0: Yeah, I don't think people think knew how good Joe Burrow was with the second and third reaction.
1: Yeah, like that second, third reaction and then a big play results. See, I came up with Big Ben Roethlisberger would just shrug people off because he was so big and strong. And then the second and third reaction would happen with Joe Burrow was making people miss, evading in the pocket, you know, movement, all those things. Zach Wilson has a lot of that in him, you know? And I feel like he's got a little Joe Montana with the footwork and, you know, off platform throws things of that nature yeah. the next guy is justin field so i feel like it's just catching so much grief that just I, i'm stunned by it frankly yeah. this kid can flat out play nails but physique is off the charts can throw the football any throw you ever want to make i think he was really impressive in his second pro day as he was in his first and he did it in front of san francisco like yeah go ahead you want to take somebody i dare, I dare you and I really, I really admire that in him, the transfer from Georgia. And last but not least, Trey Lance, only because of this reason. He has every measurable that you want, Devin. He is a big, strong, strapping lad with the, with the biggest arm in the draft, I, in mm-hmm. my mind. He's, he's the guy who can flat out throw it. But he only played one game last year, not his fault. We had a COVID year. They played one game in the 2020 season. But go back and watch 2019. Guy went through entire season with no interceptions, and it wasn't like they only threw it five times a game. Right. But he could run it. He could do things. To me, he is Josh Allen. Remember Josh Allen come out of Wyoming, no. all these question marks. Right. Well, except without the goal. mistakes. Right? And now I think that this kid could turn into that. Now Josh Allen went from a 53% completion percentage as a rookie to year three, at end of year three this past year, 69%. So yes, you can improve along the way. I think Trey Lance has that opportunity as well. So those are my three.
0: And I, and I think it's not always accuracy. It's a lot. Some of it is accuracy, but a lot of it is just the gunslinger mentality, pulling that back some, right, not taking some of the chances because of that big arm that you have <laughs> to make your completion percentage go up where, hey, I could have threw that deep ball in the double coverage. I could have got it there, but I checked it down. And for so now, yeah. I, can, I can excel, you yeah. know, so, okay, that's good. That's good. That's decent, you know. Oh, draft correspond over good, there. That's good,
1: decent. Try. So and you got to understand all three of those guys, if I'm a team that doesn't get one of them and I get another one, I'm not losing any sleep. It's not like it's that big of a – you know what I'm saying? Right, you know, right, The gap right. is not like this guy and the next three are way behind him. These are really similarly situated guys. I would say on most people's boards, all of them would rank in the top 15 players in the draft. It's
0: not- so now there, there are a ton of receivers. When I tell you this might be the most receiver-heavy – draft that you know we've seen and, and they're so talented all different sizes and they're all fast they all can catch they all run and grow up if you're a GM and you have a maybe a young quarterback right and you need to get him a weapon right who's the one guy that you absolutely have to have if if he's on the board
1: talk about receivers yeah <laughs> I love Jamar Chase at LSU he's a dog just, he's a dog I Jamar Chase I mean he is Big, strong, physical. And people remember Justin Jefferson last year as a rookie with, with, with Minnesota was incredible, right? hmm In 2019, Justin Jefferson was clearly wide receiver two to Jamar Chase's wide receiver one. Chase sat right. out last year. This right. guy can run. I think he ended up running 4.39 at the pro day. And Very remember, nice. with pro days, you train up your speed. But I want people to understand, yes, you can train up your speed, but you can't go from 4.7 to 4.39. So so let's let's you know everybody's like, well, all they do is work on their speed. Yeah, you can make it better. Not but to mention, that,
0: have you seen his tape? Yes.
1: And then the tape is is incredible. The game against Oklahoma in the semifinals of the college football yeah. playoffs in two thousand, he just took over. Allowed Joe Burrow to say, "I'm putting it up there. You wherever you you go, just you're going to go get it. I'm not worried who's back there. You're going to get it. I just like him a bunch. But I'm telling you. You go from him to Jalen Waddle at Alabama to Devonte Smith at Alabama, and you're fighting over who's this and who's that. Waddle's numbers were better the first four games before he got hurt, but I think a lot of that was that they pushed the ball to him, like he was their <laughs> wide receiver one. It's your turn,
0: right? You're, yeah, now. you're your like, you know who? Yeah, it's your time. It's your time.
1: But he goes out, and Devonte Smith is the guy. Explodes. Everyone and everyone knows he's the guy, and he still explodes.
0: At 143 pounds.
1: Yes. <laughs> It, it it was it was like like Charles S. Dutton and Rudy when he was telling telling Rudy, you five foot nothing, you weigh a hundred nothing, you don't have a speck of athletic ability in your body. Right. Well, Devontae Smith is like a hundred and nothing, but yeah. he has plenty of athletic ability in his body. Right. Yeah. And plus, I love his nickname, the Slim Reaper. That's pretty the Slim Reaper. I
0: mean, he's, he's the KD <laughs> of the football field, the Slim Reaper.
1: Wow, but it, It's interesting, Devin. I went back and looked. Marquise Lee was a guy that I thought coming out of USC looked like in build, play, play speed, how they move, kick return ability, things of that nature. Their numbers in their biggest year in college. Are almost mirror images of each other. I think mm-hmm. uh, Cleve caught 117, Smith caught 118. The, the, the yardage is similar. The yards per catch. I think uh, Smith got him in touchdowns, but that mm-hmm. was a very that was my comparison. I thought, and then when I looked it up, oh, whoa, this is pretty similar production. Yeah. How yeah. Smith got a chance to come out and do it in the NFL. Okay. Well,
0: so now you're on. You got a team, and you have you have your quarterback, right? You have your weapon. Uh, and you need somebody to tote the rock. Who, who Who's the guy that you're going to have tote the rock in this draft?
1: I love Najee Harris from Alabama. The difference for him is that his odometer is a little, little heavier than Derrick Henry's was coming out, even mm. though Derrick Henry had the one big year and won the Heisman and yeah. toted a bunch. His first two years, he didn't tote it all that much. Right, right. This kid has had two back you know, back-to-back years of toting it, catching it. My comp for him is an old school comp. He looks like Franco Harris to me, playing with mm-hmm. and I love his ability to catch the ball at the backfield. He's a big version. As funny, as big and strong and thick as he is, Le'Veon Bell came out looking similar, and then slimmed himself mm-hmm. and his belt really rose. I'll be interested in what Najee Harris does with something like that. I don't think he has to slim as much as, as Le'Veon had to, but but it'll be interesting to watch. But Etn, Travis Etn, out of Clemson. Big home run hitting threat. I'm telling you something. Have you seen those two runners from North Carolina, Javante Williams and Michael? Carter? How do you
0: get two? Is my they are. How do you get two? One. They are. How would you get two? How do you, you get two guys that good to come in and say, hey, we're going to share? And they shared
1: and they get along. They like each other. They compliment each other. And you know, most runners, like, if someone had come and tapped Mike Hart on the shoulder when he was in Michigan, he, he wasn't coming off the field. Hands off me. Were <laughs> you crazy? So it's a different deal watching him, but yeah. I think that, that helps them both as they move forward in the NFL. Now, neither one of them is a burner. Both of them are going to run into four or fives. Yeah. Not, to not below four or five. They're going to run into four or fives, but they All run right. you into submission is what they do because they will carry the rock 25 times.
0: So who you, you talked about the quarterback and the receiver and the, and the running back regardless of position, do you have a guy or maybe two guys that you think for sure is going to make an impact? No matter what team they go to, it doesn't matter if they go to a good team, bad team, they're going to make a a immediate impact from the start.
1: Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Mm. Florida. Who's really not a tight end.
0: He's a, he's a ball catcher.
1: Thank you. That's what he is. Four, 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 four runner. You can isolate him. You can do things, you know, when you think of the best, you think in, in our current, you think of Gronk in his prime. You think mm-hmm. of Travis Kelsey right now, George Kittle right now. He's all of those things. And, yes, everything doesn't match up. No one's as good a blocker as George Kittle. Right. But this kid is a good enough blocker. But right. you're not going to have him block that much anyway. You want him downfield catching the football.
0: I want to create mismatches and catch the football over guys who can't cover
1: He is who Evan Ingram – was supposed to be and still can be with the yeah. Giants. Same yeah. speed, catch the whole thing. Evan just needs to catch the ball better. And I think that he's got a chance to do that. But this kid is that. And on the defensive side of the ball, this kid out of Tulsa has me fascinated. Zavin Collins. Mm. He is built like Brian Erlacher. And I'm going to quote a friend of mine, Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is the best draft analyst in the business. And I work with him at NFL Network. So I have some bias, but he's pretty darn good. Yeah. He's to me he said hey dude he looks like erlacher and i was like erlacher come on man and so i plugged in the tape and he's built like erlacher now erlacher grew into that erlacher was a safety that grew into being that this kid has always been just this big monster kid 250 pounds who can run make plays the whole deal and i think that he can play inside he can play on the edge dante hightower for people think about what he did in new england at his prime and one of the biggest plays in Super Bowl history that people may have forgotten was
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that
1: fumble that started the comeback. That sparked. sparked that the, comeback. the comeback. Yeah. That's what this kid Zavin Collins can do. So those are guys that jump on the table. And probably i got to sneak in a safety because I'm a DB. Trayvon Merrick from TCU. Play high, play low, play man. Well-schooled well by Gary Patterson, their head coach, who's a defensive genius. And this kid has had pressure on him because Jerry's been all over him about, you know, this, this, and this, yeah. which has made him great. And I think this kid could flat out play.
0: Okay. That's awesome. Now, you've you climbed the ladder quite, quite well, right? The motto of poor progress, right? You've come a long way since 1987, you know, Tennessee, orange and white game, calling that game. Yeah. What, what challenges have you had, right? Because I know it's fun, right? You're, it's so much fun doing something like we talked about earlier that you would do on your couch or in the barbershop or wherever you would do it anyway, but now you get paid handsomely and you have fun doing it. Uh, but what challenges have you faced moving and migrating through the business as they call it?
1: I would say the biggest challenge Devin is in our business, the better the credentials you bring with you, the better opportunities Mm -hmm. you have, especially initially. So you, you wonder if you, you know, along the way, you wonder if, because, I played at a high level in college, but didn't make it in the NFL. I wasn't an All-American, so I don't have that attached to me. Mm. You know, this isn't a shot, but you know it as well as I do. It wasn't a quarterback. Quarterbacks right. are a whole different category that people are. Right. So you just wonder, am I going to plateau? Am I going And that's just one of the things that I've just continued to not let my head get to. There was times that I thought, Oh boy, this is it. I can't go any farther. I wasn't this. I wasn't this. I was going to take someone there, but somehow I was fortunate enough that enough people along the way thought that what I did was good. And I wouldn't say they ignored my record, but it wasn't a concern to them. Now me being being, handcuffed. Yeah, exactly. Me being here in the NFL, It's probably a bigger move in that way than it was in college. At least in college, you're talking about, but the guy's a four-year starter in the SEC in college. You know, Kirk Herbstreit's the top guy in college football, right? And he's done a fantastic job. If I'm not saying he's a one-year starter at Ohio State. Right, right,
0: right.
1: But that has not stopped him from being a tremendous analyst, ambassador, the whole thing. He has done a phenomenal job. Someone looked past that and didn't say, well, I got to have a guy who's this, this, and this. He has done the job. I was lucky mm-hmm. that I in college. It makes sense. In the NFL, I was worried when I moved to the NFL, like, oh, boy, these NFL guys are going to chew me up. Like, dude, All you right. didn't play in this league. What are you doing here?
0: Right,
1: right. We, we've had coaches who've won Super Bowls that barely played in college. Right? That's we've true. had coaches in college football in the NFL that never played. Bill Belichick was not a great player in college football. Yeah. Right? He's a lacrosse guy, the whole thing. How's that worked out? These work pretty well. A decent. So all, all I'm saying is some of my fears were unfounded, but best of my knowledge of research, I'm the only guy calling any of the NFL games, meaning CBS, NBC, ESPN, what have you, that never played in the league, didn't coach in the league, wasn't an executive in the league.
0: I'm not talking about, you
1: know, the, the, you know, the, the, the little things that we did with Dennis Miller and, you know, Tony Kornheiser, Howard Cosell would have been that guy. Cause Howard was, you know, unbelievable, yeah. but I'm just saying currently I'm that, I'm that one and I'm just fortunate enough that people have given me an opportunity and they think that I'm still good enough to be in this
0: spot. I mean, you're other man. It is what it is. Your voice, Madden. Voice, Madden. That's it. It's, if somebody says anything, he's voice, Madden. Just relax, okay?
1: So I always, always say I'm one of the voices because my partner Brandon God, right. he does the heavy lifting for me. So yeah. I'm not about to give him short shrift on that. Thank goodness he's around and carrying me.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, big heart, right? You got a big heart, and I'm sure you have a lot of besides. The charity that you do for me, obviously, the obvious charity of making sure I'm all good, you know. No charity what charity there. or or what things are you giving back to right now?
1: I try and give back to people, you know. Yeah, charities we contribute to, charities we've done mm-hmm. work for, all those good things. But for me, I think it's people, and a lot of it is in our business sense, Devin, because what I've discovered. And everyone has to find out for themselves what works for themselves. But what I've discovered is the times in my career where I was most concerned that, oh boy, I can't let them invade my turf. Oh boy, I, you know, I got to protect my assets. And I was kind of closed off and not helping or reaching. You know, those are worst times. The best times I've had in my career, if someone calls me and wants help in this broadcasting game, they're getting it. They're getting full. Like I'm not getting it and saying, well, I'm only gonna give you part of it because I want you to learn all of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm afraid of my job. Either I'm going to be good enough or I'm not. Right. And it's subject to business. It depends on who's watching you, what you're doing. But someone calls and says, hey, how'd you get started? We'll talk about it. Hey, do you do how do you do your boards and your charts for a game? We'll talk about it. And I'll tell them what I do, but I tell them all, it's an individual thing, blah, blah, blah. Here's how this person is up. How do you study and You do all these things. Who do you need to call? Who do you need to talk to? I'm down for all of that because people help me. And if I keep remembering that, paying forward, helping people out, it's when I've closed off and tried to just take it for myself, Devin, I'm at my worst. I'm not helping people. I'm not being a contributor to society. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do with my fellow person. I know that sounds a little esoteric and I know it sounds a little preachy and I don't mean for it to, but that's a lesson I had to learn and I had to learn it the hard way. When I, when I held on tight, man, when I closed myself off from people, it's like, I'm not giving them the wisdom of what I know because they might take my job. Right. Know what I learned? They're going to take your job anyway.
0: If they're going to get your job, they're going to get your job. They're going to take your job. Or yeah. if it's not them, it's going to be somebody else. And and you have to understand in our business, too,
1: it feels horrible when you, t- when you get put into someone else's job or someone gets put into what you used to do. It's a tough feeling. It's a bad feeling. And you immediately want to blame that person. It's really not that person's fault. Someone else made that decision and decided they should be there. I used to do the Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason games. They were struggling. They decided to make a change because John Lynch retired, who's a Buccaneer and now a pro football Hall of Famer. Mm. How was I going to be upset over that? Now, I didn't like the timing. They didn't tell me the right time frame. Mm. But as I told them, I said, I can't be upset. It's John Lynch. Right. Okay, for the Buccaneers preseason. I get it. I just wish you told me in time. You know, those sorts of things happen. I've gotten jobs that other people held. I've had my job where people have come in and taken over for me. It's not fun. It's not easy. It can be a little awkward. But what I've tried not to do is actively campaign for someone's job who's sitting in the job. If you want me, is that job truly open? That's what I want to know. Okay. That's all we're getting to. But all I'm saying, bottom line is this. If you want help from me and you think I can give you help, I'm here for you to give you that help. A lot of people will get the initial and they don't do the follow-up. I can't help you with that part, but I'm here for you for that because people have done it for me.
0: That's awesome. Well, I mean, we cover everything. I mean, we have covered quite a bit. And so now we're going to move to two-minute drill, right? And so two-minute drill, you got two minutes on the clock, three questions, and they're kind of finish this statement type of questions. Uh, You got two minutes to finish them out. Uh, You ready? Yes. I I mean, it's very simple, but we'll we'll see how you do here.
1: All right, here we go.
0: I mean, you answer pretty much all of this. So you you're probably just say, hey, uh, just refer to previous said answer. You know what I mean? I'll try, I'll
1: try and keep up. We got to make forward progress.
0: Got to. Charles Davis has become a success because?
1: Work ethic, research. You know that history degree that doesn't seem to apply?
0: Mm-hmm. This is how it's being applied. Getting ready
1: for a game each week is like getting ready for midterms or finals.
0: Yeah. A transition from in the arena to in front of the camera will function best if. Say that again. Read read that again. A transition from in the arena, right, the man in the arena, to in front of the camera will function best if.
1: It will function best if you remember what it was like to be in the arena Mm. while you were in front of the camera sometimes I think we forget being in the arena means everything we did wasn't perfect.
0: It was not. <laughs> it <laughs> we was had a,
1: not. we had a, we had a few downs along with our ups. Yeah. It's, good to, it's good to remember that when you're watching these people out there perform what that you're talking about.
0: Gotcha. My advice to anyone trying to create their own for progress is.
1: Understand who you are. Understand where you think you want to go and get your research in on the best ways to make that happen. And one of the best ways to make anything happen in this world is relationships. Creating them, maintaining them, soliciting new ones and being open to be a person that people can forge relationships with. And what I tell my, my kids and I tell other people all the time is very simply this about relationships. Don't let the only time people hear from you is when you need something. Because guess what? After a while, they they're, they're not gonna return your call. They're not gonna answer the phone, what have you. Check on people along the way when you don't need things. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. That's how you create, keep relationships going. I mean, if the only time I ever called you and say, oh D, I need this, I need this, right, I need right. this. You don't wanna hear from
0: me after a while. All right. You just finished it on the dot. Two minutes on the dot. That's about as impressionable a two-minute drill I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, we're in the money, baby. We're in the money. That's because I got you
1: running the two-minute drill, and you're the one doing <laughs> the pitching. All I have to do is catch it.
0: Man. So, Fox, NBC, NFL Network, CBS, uh, it's been a pleasure. right? Football, basketball, golf, any, it's been a pleasure watching your career. Uh, you. And it's been a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Thanks for having me on this. This is an honor for me. As I told you before, it means everything. I apologize for some of the lighting. I apologize for the dogs barking. I apologize so, for the I apologize for the movement. I hope that this is okay. It's all
0: about apologize problems. to Alex you and you put it together, forward.
1: the whole deal. But thank you so much. This has yeah. been the, and, and to be with you, my man, I just think back to when we first met and, and us being able to maintain it. And we talked about relationships. And I think that's a big part of it. We can go months and not talk, but as soon as we talk, we pick right up. But our thing is, if you need something, great. But we don't just check in with each other when something is needed. We just check in.
0: I cannot wait. We've already joked about, but we're dead serious about our three man booth and some big game. Don't know where it's going to be. College and a field. It's going to be the three man. We don't know who the other guy is going to be. Can't wait for that three man booth with. You, the bo- one of the voices of Madden NFL 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you know, and so on and so forth. This has been Charles Davis and Jay Reed, Play us out. Forward progress is forward progress is forward progress. Welcome to forward progress. Forward progress is forward progress is forward
1: progress. Welcome to forward progress.
0: Forward progress is.